Analyst Desk podcast where we break down competitive League of Legends so you don't have to. It's the end of worlds and we're going to look at the East versus West. Invictus Gaming from the LPL versus Fnatic of the EU LCS. The Analyst Desk would like to thank the Shot Caller, Proving Grounds, the Daily Walkthrough, and Broadcast GG for being our sponsors. Link to our sponsors can be found in the description below. It's the same analyst. We're probably going on another Galaxy Quest, even without C9 being here. We have Cole Culture Gibson. What's up, bros and bays? Let's get it. Alex Mad Magical Wielden. What up? How's it going? And Ginny Citrina Woo. Good day, good day, good day. And luckily, Magical is 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 not so brokenhearted out after that ass whooping that his team took. And Ginny has been returned <laughs> to us by the Chinese government. So this should be a good a good podcast, I think. I'm still sad. I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm ready because at the end of the day, I can be happy. I can cheer for the West in Cloud9. But the same, I'm a TSM fan, so seeing them lose doesn't make me sad either. And it was a good death. It was a graceful death. It's all okay. So in our first segment, we're going to take a look at Kaisa. As we brought up last week, Kaisa was a pick or ban champion for most of Worlds until we hit the knockout stage. Reckless has not picked the champion at all this tournament, while Jackie Love has favored the champion over many of the other marksmen. Culture, what are the chances, though, that we just see Kaisa abandoned in the finals? It's a very interesting dichotomy. I think that we'll definitely see it banned away, but from Invictus Gaming, I don't think Reckless picks it up. His champion pool has stayed consistently small, playing the Zaya, playing the Ezreal's champions that basically can play safe in lane and then still hard carry later. And while Kai'Sa can do that, I just don't think it has the escapability that Reckless likes to play with that extra safety. Because his team likes to play uber aggressive, he most times has to depend on himself to get himself out of trouble. So it's not that type of champion for him. I think if it's left open, though, Invictus Gaming at least will pick it one time. We did see that during semis, Jackula was able to pick up some new champions, the Ezreal, the Lucian, you know, shake it up a little bit. However, it is still his most played champion, so he should still play it if it's available because it's one of his best. All right. And as you brought up, we know that Jackie Love loves his Kaisa, but he did pick up two new champions that you did bring up, the Ezreal and the Lucian. Do you think that this is a concern for Fnatic, Ginny? Um, well, it depends. I mean, in terms of his performance on the Lucian and the Ezreal, if we're looking at just sort of stats from games like, you know, the Rift Rival games and also LPL Summer, um, he's got a much higher win rate on Lucian um, than Ezreal in the LPL. And I think we've seen before, like with G2, they'd already started target target banning Jackie Love essentially with Kai'Sa and Lucian banned. So, I mean, they know how to deal with it. It's I don't think it's going to be a problem per se for, per se for Fnatic. Because like Culture said, um, Reckless and Jackie Love aren't exactly competing for the same AD carries to use. So I, th- I think it'll be okay. I know we said that we've seen historic Kaiser bans against Jackie Love, which happened all throughout LPL Summer and also more recently in Worlds. But whether or not I suppose they want to target ban not only Kaiser but also Zaya and Lucian, I think it's kind of unlikely. I think we'll have to decide whether or not it's actually a higher priority pick for Jackie Love than the Zaya. Um, we don't have hard stats on Summer LPL because Zaya was banned up for Jackie Love for most of it, but um, I think Fnatic can handle it easily by just 
banning the champion. You know what's funny is I look at like this Worlds and this Finals, and I honestly expect to see Fnatic personally hard ban Jackie Love. They love to pick on the person they find to be the weakest link of a team. And for Invictus, we've always been harping on Jackie Love, and he's been one of those people who has been the weaker link. They got Rookie, they got the Shy Ning's been starting to pull up his weight, being really effective on Lisa and Gragas Talia. So when I look at this, I actually expect to see Jackie Love get a lot of focus in bands, and I, I kind of want to see Draven come in from Jackie Love. Jackie Love likes to play Draven, so why not? I mean, I, I do think that Jackie Love can be a weak link for Invictus, but we definitely saw what happens when Ning shares the champion pool with another jungler, right? He gets forced onto the Lee Sin, and even though Invictus 3-0-G2, that Lee Sin game was not pretty at all. So while I do think that Jackie Love is the weak link. I think they're going to be... I think we will see another bully fest where teams try to put off Ning. And I think that if you're Invictus Gaming, you might be sweating a little bit coming in this matchup. Yeah, you have Rookie and the Shy, who are both great solo laners, but Fnatic has the upper hand in terms of champion pool. You know, when you look at their champions, every single laner for Fnatic has a plethora of champs that can pull out. Reckless, he has a small band of champions but they're not ones that you ban out anyways and he plays them so well it doesn't even matter however you know as you said Jackie Love he really only shares the Ezreal Zaya with Reckless and if Reckless steals with the Ezreal how good is his Zaya how many times have we seen it and vice versa mid lane I think Caps has a wider champion pool than Rookie but I think Rookie definitely pulls out and out matchup wise but just all over this map Fnatic just has better matchups in terms of champion pool and the type of flexibility they have in terms of coming at IG in different directions. Yeah, I think you're right about that, but just wanting to kind of circle back to Magical's point about target banning Jackie Love. I mean, short of banning, sort of using all your bans on Jackie Love, I, I don't know what else I think Fnatic can really do to put him on a champion that would make him so immobilized it would be a problem. I know we talked about this last week as well, but I think that Baolan has really, really stepped up and he knows what to do now. Before, he was kind of not so great at babysitting his AD carry child, but throughout Worlds, we've kind of seen Baolan grow and progress as a player, and I think that target banning Jackie left to the point whereby they, they don't really focus on Ning or focus on Rookie, who has, like Culture was saying, a smaller champion pool but can really, really execute. That's probably not going to be the reality of the situation yeah i i think that banning might be a choice for fanatic i just don't think that the ad carry role unlike say like a hyarnin um mm. is where fanatic gets the win condition i think when you have an ad carry like hyarnin and you do a bunch of bands you you put them in a precarious situation i i don't think that with jackie loves pool you can really do that but moving on Another champion that we sort of saw slowly fade out was the Varus pickup. Uh, Magical, where did Varus go, and is he coming back for the finals? Varus, unfortunately, is not coming back. Varus has just fallen <laughs> off because, well, I think he's a strong pick. He's really good in lane. He can poke pretty effectively. 
the meta's kind of shifted away from really poking. We've been seeing a lot more crit come back into flavor. I mean, especially with Zaya, Tristana, having even Sivir, all these crit marksmen coming back and what people really want to play, especially Reckless, who loves playing crit. In fact, I'm pretty sure Vars hasn't been picked at all by Reckless all year. Well, you look over to Jackie Love. Jackie Love actually used to play a lot of airs. Spring Split played 14 games, I think went 13 and 1 in the spring split. So you go like, okay, that's a lot. Even the summer split played it a ton, but has not touched it at all this Worlds. In fact, the last time I think any team played Varus was in the quarterfinals by Africa's against Cloud9 where they lost on Varus. It's just, he's too immobile. He doesn't really do the job that he needs to do and he falls off late game. So when games do kind of go past that 25, 30 minute mark, he's not as strong as he used to be. He's a little bit more of the on hit, but as opposed to the poke that he once was, and that on hit just gets punished way too often by things like Urgot, Orn, Camille that's been coming back for junglers. You have LeBlanc that loves to pick on Varus, Akali, Aurelia. There's so many things that punish him heavily for the fact that he can't move. In fact, normally you can say that same thing about Sivir, but the fact that she has a spell shield makes it a little bit easier. And th that's why I just, personally, I don't think we'll see Varus come back at all. I mean, I think there could be a slim chance you see it, and you know, want to know why? It's because of lethality Varus. I think that in a meta where a lot of the mid laners you're seeing are assassins, the top laners you're seeing are, are fighters, bruises, things that aren't that tanky, a lethality Varus could still poke his head, you know, out in the meta because of all that damage you can do off one Q, take a LeBlanc to half health. In fact, remember, it wasn't that long ago that mid lethality Varus was actually a counter to assassins like LeBlanc. And I think that if you pair it with uh, support like Tom Kinch, a Braum, even a Tark, then he can have the protection to, to go off like he wants to. But that's the only situation I do see it coming back is if you're going the lethality build. And that's a really small win condition window to play your AD carry in. But I'd love to see that, though, in this finals. If Jackie Love, who has the most games out of both AD carries on the Varus, Reckless didn't play Varus, I think, all year, you know, it would be great to see him pull out to widen his champion pool if he gets pinched. Yeah, I am probably riding the same train here as Culture in terms of the Varus, uh, mainly because of Jackie Love's stats, as Magical just pointed out a little bit earlier. Um, and I mean, we've seen um, Baolan do really well um, before on supports like Braum, and especially the Tom Kent, that is sort of like the ultimate kind of safety move um, for Baolan. And it kind of makes sense that I think having Jackie Love on a really, really strong comfort pick from, some, from spring LPL and summer LPL might just be the way that they want to go. I mean, mainly because, as you said, he hasn't been played yet all this Worlds. They might be banking on the fact that, well, Fnatic might go, oh, actually, we'll target ban the Kai'Sa, we'll target ban the Lucian, maybe even the Zaya or the Ez, and they'll probably just, I guess, maybe let Varus through because of that. And then that's sort of Jackie Love's chance to to go, f you know, sort of balls to the wall and get that authority build that, that Culture was just talking about. Um, and yeah, I mean, like... Um, like we just said before, Reckles doesn't really play Varus. I really, really don't think there's any chance at all it's going to come out on the Fnatic side. So, yeah, it remains to be seen. I think that IG, while Fnatic has a deeper champion pool overall, I think that IG has some stronger niche picks. And this might be the time that we actually see them because the stakes can't get any higher than the finals of Worlds. So, I just look at this and, like, what you guys are saying about Varus, and it's like... 
I understand where you guys are coming from. It's like, change the build, maybe that's the problem. But for me, it's not even about the build that's the problem for Vars. It's the fact that he's so immobile. And we've had so many teams that have been able to punish immobility, especially in AD carries. While Balon has been playing a lot better and been able to protect Jakulov a lot more, you are now going against a jungler that's a little bit more competent than we look at, like, Yankos. We have Broxit, who has been one of the best performing junglers in this world, who loves to punish the immobility of people. Plus, you have Caps, plus you have either Whipple or Soaz. Everyone is pretty much going to be tunnel visualing, uh, tunnel visualing onto, wow, I can speak onto Jackie Love <laughs> and trying to focus him as much as possible in order to make sure to kill him. And so I don't think you want to put him on something like that unless you literally want to make him a utility AD carry like we used to see a few years ago. And if you're going to do that, why not just go for Ash? Why not get a little bit of crit so that way at least you're getting some late game assurance? I mean, you, because you still want that damage threat and magical. While, yeah, he's immobile. You still have three or four different supports that can protect him. And let's not forget... Rookie is actually a very good Lulu, so you could play Lulu in the mid lane. That's also another natural play into the LeBlanc because she can play lane safe and poke from a distance. And then you just have the Shy play adjacent the top lane, something that also deals damage. You have multiple damage dealers that also have poke, and then Ning can play, I won't say a tank jungler, but he can still play something that can effectively not only uh, protect Jackula by creating space with maybe like a Lee Sin kick. It's not, he wasn't good on it, but all you need is a good kick to create space or uh, can facilitate another need the team has and not play around Jackula as far as gear their entire team comp toward he has to carry, but give him more room to work with on his Varus. And that's how it can work. Yeah, he's immobile, but they have workarounds for that because Invictus Gaming is so good. Yeah, I'm. I I really like this this debate that we're having about the Varus. I I do want to pivot this. We're not leaving eighty carries just yet. I want to know. Now we kind of have the Trinity, right? We have the the Kaisa, the Zaya, and I, I guess in a sense the Tristana as the Tristana Sivir. So not really a, a Trinity. My bad. More like a, a four, <laughs> a square, um, a prism. A prism. Yeah, I'll take prism. that. A prism. Um, but. Do we see any AD carry that we... Is there any chance for us to see a marksman that we really haven't seen all tournament? Do we see maybe, you know, Jackie Love play homage to his to his LP Hell brother and play a Callista? Do we see maybe uh, Reckless bring out a Caitlyn, maybe an Ash? Or do you think we're just going to stick with the power picks that we know work? Magical? I'm calling Draven. I think Jackie Love is going to bust out the Draven. It's going to happen. Game three, you're going to see it picked. All right, so we see Draven. Culture. I can definitely see the Draven. I would also like to see the Callista. It's been played a couple times. I think it was plans could work. Ash, I would actually love in a situation where, say, Jack Love isn't having the best of series. Put him on something to where you just let Rookie and the Shy carry, and then he can just have utility by throwing out Ash arrows. Also... I mean, all the actually all the suggestions you throw out, man, are picks that I would love to see. Maybe a Quinn. We did see Sneaky play a little bit more regionally in North America, but just because of the mobility, getting around the map, and basically being a second jungler, you get the Quinn a kill in lane, and then she turns to a second jungler, where you get lethality. I mean, just roam around the map, raining terror upon your foes. So something like that would also be great. But I think I'd actually see that more from Reckless, maybe like a Quinn of that nature. But who knows? Yeah, and Ginny. You're the, you're our resident Chinese expert. Do you 
Do you see either team, though, really switching things up? Or do you think they're going to just stick with the meta? Um, I think realistically they're going to stick with the meta as much as I would love to see Ooh. Jackie Loves Draven or even Jackie oh, Loves... Oh, stick in the mud, Jenny. Ooh. I'm just saying. I mean, I would love to see Draven and I would even love to see Jackie Loves Yasuo, okay? Because he has... Spice! He has 66.7% win rate on Yasuo. Um, ignore the performance in the losing game that he had. We'll just not think about that. <laughs> but I mean, in terms of entertainment picks, yeah, Draven is a potential one and definitely the Yasuo as well. But realistically, I think that... They're not going to gamble too much on this point at finals. There's just so much at stake, and I don't think that IG um, will will want to tilt the boat that much. Actually, Jenny, you bring up the Yasuo has given me a perfect time to bring this question <laughs> to you all here. Oh, no. So we all know that Fnatic were kings of the double top laner meta. Do you think that we possibly see that come back out? I mean, there's still a few bottom lanes that have a double... A bruiser or a mage support that still work. I think Swain is still a perfectly fine bottom laner play right. Do you think that they might pull it out? Maybe. So I think one of the big problems for that is that you telegraphics you telegraphic it's super hard, right? I don't think Invictus really needs to pull that out. They've already got the Jace flex pick that they can use to sort of uh, confuse Fnatic's roster because we saw both Rookie and the Shy play it very well. I think for Fnatic. You telegraphic by saying, "Well, we have we have to submit our roster, and we're submitting Bipo and Soas, and then you never have to worry about the AD carry matchup." And I'm pretty sure that Jackie Love wants to pull out the Yasuo if he can. So I I think as much as we would like to see the Bruiser Mage made sort of awesome dudes, as Pastry Time calls it, bot lane. I just don't realistically see it being pulled out at this stage of the game. I think maybe the last time we were going to see something that cheeky was semifinals, and we kind of did in quarters, but I just don't see any team realistically pulling it out. G2 would have been the last team to do something like that. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm just saying, uh, Swain Pike still hurts like hell. (laughs) That is is very true, but it does give us a perfect segue to, you know, shift focus from one side of the map all the way to the other side of the rift where we have two teams with really strong laners in each lane but we've got to talk about the top lane because both teams have unique styles depending on which top laner they play Ginny, we saw the shy dominate wonder in the g2 series even coming back from being repeatedly tower dove and like love was it like three minutes into the game do we think there's even a reason for Invictus to pull out Duke versus Fnatic when the Shy showed that he can dumpster both control top laners and even the carry matchup. Well, I mean, I'm confident in my boy, the Shy's ability to dumpster pretty much anyone at this point. So um, as to whether or not they think that there's a strategic necessity behind putting the Shy, uh, putting Duke in, probably not. But I mean... If I think IG, if they want to keep things fresh, if maybe we're falling down in games or we just kind of want to give Fnatic a little bit of a shock, I think it's fine to put in Duke. I mean, if you look at the champion pools that the two of them have, there isn't that much crossover. Yes, there's crossover in the Urgot and the Aatrox, but we look at what Duke plays, Duke plays Orn, Duke plays Rise, Duke plays Irelia. 
So looking at those picks compared to the Shy's normal picks of, let's say, um, Scion, Fiora, and obviously the Jace Flex, I think that they offer two different playstyles. I think the Shy is probably the pick that they want to go with just for consistency, but Duke is there and Duke can turn it out. So they might not need to put him in, but they very well could put him in against a Bobo because there is some overlap in that champion pool there as well. So it could be a strategic move, just, I guess, keeping Bobo off maybe comfortable champions like Orm, which I've said before, he's done very, very well on. And uh, let's let's be real here. It's nice to throw out, you know, champion pool and consistent. Let's be real. The Shy <laughs> has been a better, more dominant <laughs> top laner than Duke Thank this you. entire tournament the shy there were micro moves he was pulling against wonder that was you know so immaculate i believe i was listening to another podcast just trying to do some extra research and they were talking about how when watching the shy play how he controlled the wave how he you know uh forced minions to come to certain sides to set up for ganks to put himself in a position early in the game to set up for ning and even to win 1v1s it's just he's on a whole nother level and Personally, the only reason that they would ever put in Duke at this point in the tournament is if, for some reason, the Shy goes mental boom. If, you know, whatever Fnatic does, whether they just cheese him and they all dive him top, like, at level 4 or something like that, and pull some cheese that just blows his mind, then he's not coming out of the game. And that's even if they get behind in the series, I don't think he's coming out. Yeah, I... I definitely agree with that. I don't think I think I think we've seen the last of of, of Duke at this point. <laughs> but similarly, we do have a similar problem for Fnatic, right? We thought this whole tournament we would see, you know, the Whippo Soas, you know, flex where, you know, some games we would see Soas and some games we would see Whippo. But at some point Fnatic just said, "F that. We're just running Whippo into anyone." And if Whippo dumpsters them, great. Do you see, Culture, a reason for Fnatic to bring in Soaz? The the only reason, uh, again, basically same story. The only reason I would see Soaz coming in is if it's mental boom time for either Whippo or for the Fnatic coaching staff. If Dylan <laughs> Falco just is like, oh my goodness, I... This isn't working. We need to put in Soaz to neutralize. And that would be if they go down 2-0. Because the thing is, Fnatic has been so aggressive in the way that they've been drafting and strategizing that they want to take the one-on-one aggressive matchup of, you know, this carry top laner versus carry top laner. And, you know, if that doesn't work after, say, two games, then they'll put in Soaz to try and maybe play that Scion, neutralize the Shy, which I personally don't think would work, so why even bother? Because the Shy has shown that you can't neutralize him. You just have to try and go toe-to-toe with him, get some jungle help, and hope that works, because otherwise, uh, Whippo's mincemeat if he's already down two games and his mental goes kaboom. It's funny, because I actually disagree with everyone here about both Duke and Soaz. So I wow. think you play... Oof! Yeah, so you play the Shy for me. Ooh. The Shy, I think, is... I, I won't disagree that he's the best. Uh, of Duke and the Shy, the Shy is better. However, mm-hmm. they both offer completely different strategies that the team can go for. When you play the Shy, you're trying to go for something where you can almost set up a 1-3-1, where you're trying to make sure that you get that lane ahead, not really necessarily having to invest too much because the Shy is usually strong enough to be able to win those lanes. 
But that's what strategy you want to play is. You want to make sure that the Shy is able to completely own one side of the map while your team's doing something else. When you play a Duke, you're more committing towards the full 5v5 fight. You're trying to bring Duke into these battles. You're trying to get him on Orn. You're trying to say, hey, we need a little bit more help over here because we keep losing too much. So that's why I think you actually do play Duke sometimes, is you go, okay, the strategy is clearly not working. We're not able to set this up because either Blippo is winning in those sidelines, or honestly, I think Soaz is just as strong in the sidelines. He has been on a lot more of these tanks lately, a lot more Scion, Orr, and Cho'Gath, but he is a strong sidelander. He is incredibly powerful in getting solo kills, regardless if he's on a bruiser or on a tank. And this is when you bring in Soaz. You're like, okay, we want to have more of a bruiser. We want more of the Camille's, Jarvan's. Yes, I know that's more been jungle, but still, you can have the flexibility. You can put him on to Jace. You can put him on to Fiora. That way, you're just winning out the lane purely through that. And that is a way that you can neutralize the shy in my mind when you bring in Soaz. Well, Blippo is a little bit more about, yes, he can play some of those carries. He's played Swain. He's gone for things like Jace in the past. But he's more of, if you want to have... And a better team fight, in my opinion, where you have to ha you have that mage, yes, in Swain, but you also can bring him into the fight. So you're not really setting him up for split push potential and winning through a side lane. I mean, yeah, I can kind of see where you're coming from, but that that entire that basically that entire spiel is premised on the fact that the shy is gonna actually experience some sort of mental breakdown and be unable to lane proficiently against the fanatic top laner, whether it be Whippo or Soaz. I think if we're looking purely at the the performance aspect and we're thinking, okay, when is actually when is Fnatic gonna bring in Soaz or Whippo? I, I don't think it really like culture was say, I don't think it really matters who who Fnatic brings in in terms of how shy is, how shy is gonna handle stuff because he's just gonna handle himself. I really don't think that at this point that, not that I don't love Whippo, I have publicly said I think Whippo is a great player and that I also respect so as a style as a neutralizer, but I think that realistically it's it's not going to be as easy as sending someone in and going, okay, let's neutralize the Shy on one of the Shy's comfort picks because all the kind of comfort picks we listed just then for Soaz in terms of, of effectiveness the Shy has played a crap ton of in the LPL and also at Worlds. So, I mean, I really don't think it's that simple. I don't think that there's any need to, to take out, or, sorry, put in Soaz. I think if you're going to run Bwipo like Fnatic has been doing, just keep running Bwipo and support Bwipo because he's going to need all the help he can get against the Shy. I mean, come on, magical, <laughs> baby. What what world do you see the Shy losing lane in? I this mean, one. Here's, Thank you. Here's... Here's anecdotal evidence. This man <laughs> got tower dove till his ears bled from hearing you have been slain. That's right. And he still found a way to come back and almost single-handedly win the game by himself. The, I mean, the Shy is a train that I don't even think so as on Scion can deal with. He mm -hmm. can't be neutralized. Your best bet is to put Whip on something he can try and maybe carry on later in the game. And... That's not going to change whether you have Soaz or Bwipo and if they're both playing the same strategy. So why even make a swap? Just go with Bwipo. Go with the Shy. Don't, like, swapping at this point is unnecessary for both teams because you know what you're getting. It's a simplistic meta where if you overthink things, you lose. That's why the LZK is gone because you overthink things, <laughs> you lose. You play simple, go for the 1v1, beat your face and get a lead, and then you snowball off that. And if you're the other team, if you're losing... You just hope you can mitigate losses like Fnatic has almost all worlds whenever they do get behind. 
and then you try and find one small mistake to make your way back in the game. Yeah, I think one of the things that we're kind of we, we've kind of zeroed in on is sort of why chain styles at this point. But I also mm. want to bring up something that uh, is a point that we've made about G2 that I think is very true of Invictus Gaming 2, which is that, sure, the Chinese are known for their team fighting, but Invictus hasn't looked that great in some team fights, and that's mainly because Jackie Love giveth and Jackie Love taketh away. <laughs> I don't think we're going to see Invictus Gaming openly opt into team fights unless it's the same way that G2 does, right? Where they're just like, we're so ahead that we we can't possibly lose a team fight. Or the LPL special of we're losing, everything is now a 50-50. Why don't we just ram ourselves into the enemy team and see what happens? We saw it in that mid lane team fight where Fnatic where G2 thought that the Shy was completely out of the game and the Shy was like, Nope. I'm going to pop ultimate and just run at you. And they wiped G2 in that team fight. So I don't I don't know really if Invictus Gaming is the team that's really looking for team fights here. Yeah, I, I think that you're right in that sense. I think we talked about this very extensively last week as well in terms of Invictus playing into G2. And we sort of came to the common consensus that Invictus was going to be doing really well at playing G2 sort of like 1v1 style, but just um, better. And I mean, I think that we're going to see that again. I think that Invictus are probably not going to throw out the whole Chinese Mad Dog style immediately in game one. I think that they will try and get the measure of Fnatic by playing conservatively and sort of playing, I suppose, what they were playing when G2 was a little bit ahead and dumping on the shy. So I think that teamfight-wise, you're right. Invictus Gaming is not RNG. RNG love to take a coin toss fight in any location in the map. You know, they will bend any team over in Baron Pit and somehow still lose the game. Um, but IG is not that team. And I think that while we had a debate last week about IG choking and IG <laughs> not being consistent, I think that at this point the stakes are so high and that both teams know it. I really don't think that IG will risk everything on these coin toss fights. Yeah, I, I, I really agree with you. I mean, I'm the one who brought up the point, so of course I agree with you. <laughs> but we, we got to keep moving. And, you know, somehow, some way, we've made Magical the expert of the jungle. We just keep throwing the jungle questions <laughs> at him. And even though this is supposed to be about the top laners, you can't talk about the top lane without the 2v2. So, Fnatic has been known to send Mr. Broxa to the top lane. Whereas Invictus kind of like sending Ning wherever he's needed, which usually is the mid to bot lane. Magical, do you see either teams going, all right, this top lane matchup is going to go boom. Let's send in the junglers. Well, this is kind of why I was bringing up the point of Soaz before, was to set up the fact of what I want to talk about here, where lately... Broxa hasn't been focusing as much on the top side of the map as he used to. He at the start, start of everything when it was groups and even the quarters, he definitely was trying to help out Whippo to help out Caps really focus on that uh, top side of the map to make sure that they can get that ahead and not really worrying about Reckless and Hillsing. And saying, okay, you guys are pretty much on your island over there. But it's kind of flipped. You look over against Cloud9, they really were trying to focus on Caps, especially trying to make sure that they got him ahead, because he was struggling a little bit uh, in the quarterfinals and into the semifinals, so they were like, okay, let's have Caps a little bit more. But 
is also really trying to make sure that they can get Reckless ahead since he's now playing a lot more of these crit marksmen, going to Sivir and Tristana especially. Trying to see if they can get him a little bit more fed, almost a, a mini final uh, stride, if you will, just saying, okay, we want to get a little bit more gold into Reckless so that way we're kind of getting him ahead. And this is where it gets a little bit tricky because we already talked about how strong the Shy is in the top lane. And going in against Whippo, it's going to be really difficult for Whippo to kind of hold his own. Because not only does he have to hold his own, he's going to have to try to neutralize the Shy in some way. Which is why I would like to see Soaz come in in order to try to help that out. But then you look at Ning and how Ning's been playing. He has been playing a lot more around the bot side of the map because he's been forced to. Jackie Love has been a liability for the team. They're trying to make sure that he's not falling too far behind, and they really have to against Fnatic because you have someone like Reckless who can steamroll, who can take over a game, and then you also want to make sure that you're not having to worry about caps in the mid lane because you have a very powerful mid laner such as Rookie on your side for Invictus who can now roam with Ning, go topside, go bot side. But this is where I really honestly expect both teams to invest heavily onto the bottom side of the map. Yeah, and... It's, it's actually funny. You would think that Ning would have a little bit harder job because, you know, Broxa has a multiple, multiple lanes to gank for that are consistent. Ning has to sort of be chained to Jackie Love almost, and so he can't really try and find his way to the shot too often because he risks putting his bot lane in jeopardy by not being there. But the key factor that I find is that just him having Rookie is almost a second jungler has really been able to lift that burden off him. Rookie... If you watch the VODs, roams and goes to side lanes just as much as Ning does. And so it's almost like they split the map and Ning ganks for one side of the jungle or one side of the map. And then Rookie will go to the other side of the map. I think Broxa, and if we want to zoom it out, Broxa is the key to all this working. If this is the Fnatic puzzle, you know, the piece of Exodia, he's the one <laughs> that Yugi needs to finally fulfill his destiny and win this match, this series. Because if you look at Broxa, in all the games they played against IG, he had some of the best games of his world's run. Obviously, the best series was against uh, EDG, but as far as individual games, he had the best when playing against IG because he was able to just roll around the map, anticipate where Ning was going to be, go for deep invades, get wards, and then from there, path based on where he knew Ning was going to be and be predictive. But the one game where he's had his worst game of Worlds was against EDG where he pulled out that Elise and EDG was able to track him, keep him under wraps, hard invade him, basically neutralize him. And when he was neutralized, yeah, Fnac won the series, but Reckless even said it was the messiest one they've ever had because Broxa did not have his best game won. And after that, when he was able to do more, games got better. They eventually went on to 3-1 and, you know, the rest is history. Yeah, I think Hotch has got a point there. Bringing it back to Amanda's original question, I suppose, of whether or not teams are going to send the junglers top. Um, I, I guess I'm kind of split in both camps here between magical and culture. I, I think that there is definitely a lot of value in, in Fnatic sending um, Uncle Broxa, Grandfather Broxa, to the top Mr. lane. Mr. Broxa to the top lane, mainly because of the shy's performance, but as to whether or not that's actually going to neutralize or keep the shy down like the fanatic might actually find it more valuable to concentrate Brox's focus just on the bot side offensively as opposed to defensively to kind of force Ning to kind of babysit overtime in terms of Jackie Love I know we just talked about them splitting the map which is a thing that they do do 
But I think at this point, if there's one player that's going to go mental boom on IG, it's going to be Jackie Love. And Fnatic would be smart to actually use Broxar sort of as like a, a preemptive way to strike at the bot lane. Because realistically, even if Broxar is up top ganking the absolute garbage out of the shy, taking him out to the trash, you know, back in the alleyway, shanking him, it's not going to matter. We've seen that it doesn't matter. We've seen the shy can actually really, really bounce back. So honestly, in my opinion, I think Broxar needs to do the Broxa thing if they want to get ahead. He is the piece of Exodia that they need, but this Exodia piece needs to be in the bot lane, smacking Jackie Love in the face as much as possible to get him off kilter to the point whereby if Ning has come down babysitting, that them returning top won't even matter, that having Rookie up top won't even matter because Jackie Love has just kind of lost the plot to that extent. There is no sub-80 carry here for IG. He is the wild turtle they have to crush, and Broxa has to be the one to do that. But at the same time, Culture brought up a good point where talking about Rookie and how Rookie kind of is like a second jungler for them when they're able to get him online. This is why I honestly think that Broxa needs to focus on both mid and bot. He can't just focus obviously on bot. He has to make sure that he's hitting a point such as Rookie so that way they don't have to worry about him rotating into the top side of the map and maybe getting the shy ahead. And then suddenly it doesn't matter how many times you ganked Jackie Love, it doesn't matter if you put him 0 and 7, suddenly the Shy is coming in and literally 1v9ing the entire game. So as long as you can get Caps ahead, you can make sure that Caps is doing alright, and you're already going to have a very strong lane with Reckless in the bot lane, so you maybe give him one or two ganks about it, and then focus all your attention right back onto Caps so that way they can easily pinpoint Rookie and keep him there. I think that's the best bet for Fnatic. And I want to ask you guys... Uh... Uh, general question mm. and this is to you know maybe of a, a form of strategy they do to neutralize rookie or roaming do you think we see something like a Malzahar come out that basically we saw it in playoffs where cloud nine put golden glue on Malzahar against Bjergsen to keep him from being that roamer to the side lane to go affect uh Hauntzer and the bomb lane of uh, Sven and Mithy, do you think that's something they might try and do is put him on something that's safer and can keep Rookie from roaming because of lane pressure with that constant push? Only if they're on red side. I only see that as a last-ditch effort. If they're on red side, it's a last pick. They saw Galio and they're like, you know what, we're just going to make sure Rookie stays here. Yeah, I'm of the same mind as Magical. I don't think that playing it safe is, is what they really want to do in this situation either. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely on the same boat. I don't think that either team is sort of the play-safe strategy. Like I said, I think all of that type of play style, and you've even said it yourself, Culture, that all of the play-safe teams are gone. No Korea, no no G2. Every team that, that likes safety is out of the tournament. Now, that isn't to say that both teams are balls to the wall, but a conservative playstyle isn't really what got Fnatic here, and it's definitely not what has gotten Invictus Gaming here. Now, <laughs> you've had some spirited debates. It is the last time that we will be doing this for Worlds. The revolver's cocked. It's planted at all of your temples. I've got three <laughs> guns. Don't ask me how. Okay. <laughs> Culture, since you're first in Discord. The series and world champion is. I I wanted to come home so bad, but I think it's gonna be IG three two. After hearing myself talk, it's 
Jenny, you've betrayed your country multiple times. You have flip-flopped. You are you are the worst. You you have no you have no ties. You don't stick to anything. Who's winning? Well, I definitely haven't been paid a large sum of money to a Cayman Islands bank account by the Chinese government to say this. <laughs> um, but I definitely think that, especially just after having had that spirited debate with you guys, I really think that my boys' IG will take it. But it's going to be a close one. I think they will fight to the end, like Europe does, before they inevitably choke and die in the gutter. 3-2. Um, <laughs> That's vivid imagery. <laughs> Mad Magical, our, our Mad Prophet. Our tinfoil hat salesman, our Galaxy Quest captain. Is it time to break the party lines? Is Fnatic our world champion? They did defeat Cloud9. So, we all know that I'm a little biased towards Cloud9, and I, I've been heartbroken ever <laughs> since. And it's hard looking at this because both teams are really good. I think that these two teams are, even though it's people go, oh, you know, no Korea, it's like this is the two best teams we have right now. And Invictus especially has been a dominant team. You look at how they were in summer. They finished before playoffs 18-1. and one. That was absurd. They were one of the best teams for a long time. The fact that they didn't get first seed was actually a shock. However, a certain salesman of tinfoil hats said at the very beginning of this podcast... A oh, fuck, I forgot. team would be the world champions, <laughs> mm-hmm. and they're in the finals. Y'all laughed at me. Y'all said I was crazy. <laughs> and look where we're at. So we're going three to one. Fnatic taking the crown. Man, you, you would think that as the host of this podcast, I would remember all of the crazy shit that Magical says. <laughs> but because hey. there is so much crazy shit, that comes out of his mouth. <laughs> the very first crazy thing that he said... Well, I guess it's the second crazy thing. The second crazy thing that he said of Fnatic Wins Worlds got pushed so far back in the database <laughs> that it might as well be stored on a floppy drive. Hey, you know what? On an unrelated note, I just want to say real quick that I'm not a flip-flopper. I've been saying IG was a Whoa, team whoa, 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 whoa. I called Jimmy the flip-flopper. <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying, for anyone that listens to this, like, He's got to make sure he get the Fnatic record. Hype, yeah, like, he was on the Western Hype Train. What happened? Like, hey, I've been saying that IG was a top-tier team this entire tournament. You know, I had them at the top of Fnatic's group before Fnatic showed up. All right, so... I'm just, I'm just saying that the only real flip-flopper has been Jinny. You, you might have thought it was magical, but then you checked the tape, and he sneaks in <laughs> these crazy fucking thoughts that you're just like, ha-ha, it's just magical being crazy, and then he's right. So, man, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss you guys as we Aww. take a break. After Worlds, we, are, we probably won't be back. What is it? Is Kespa Cup first or Demacia? I think it's uh... Kespa. So so we'll be taking maybe a short break, you know, recharge the batteries, get our voices back, reset our mentals, no longer go boom. Some of us have to get to gold before the end of the season. Some gold of us... Why, who? S- who are you talking about? I'm just saying, some of us need to be carried by a mythical dragon. 
Uh, if some five. of us I don't, don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm going five. <laughs> the one who's defending himself needs a mythical dragon to to bring him to his elo. So yeah, right. I need that good ganja. You. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's been fun. Hopefully, you guys are enjoying the journey. Uh, we will be doing a special podcast where we kind of look back at season eight. Until then, remember that your pickums were dumpster fire. And be sure to be following the Analyst Desk on Twitter. That's the underscore Analyst Desk, one word. Culture, the man from Atlanta, what is your Twitter? Y'all can find me at ATL Esports Guy. That's all caps ATL and in a capital E and then Sports Guy. The proper way it's supposed to be spelled. No dashes, no hyphens, no capital S bullshit. No little E. Esports. No little E. <laughs> and also on Instagram at commentator underscore culture. Magical, breaking the flow. Where can they find you on the Twitter for all the mad rantings? You can find me at mad underscore magical. Make sure you tag me with that hashtag mad profit, guys. And Ginny, I'm glad that you're back from China. <laughs> it's good to see you're in one piece. Where can they find you on social media? Right, you can find me at Ginny Woes. That's G I N N Y W O E S. And also, pretty much on the Analyst Desk Twitter 24 7 because I run social there. So, check us a follow if you want to have a bant with me and if you want to celebrate IG winning worlds together. Hey, hey, hey. I, I think you got the wrong team there. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, you can find me at Amanda T N Stevens. And don't forget to love, like, and subscribe to our sponsors. Remember, that's. The Shot Caller, The Daily Walkthrough, Broadcast GG, Proving Grounds TV. All the links will be down below in the doobly-doos. Hit the follow on SoundCloud. Make sure you're, you're subscribed. All that wonderful stuff that you're supposed to say at the end of, a, of an episode. Until next time, I hope that one day one of us will get our pickums right. <laughs>